Warren Buffett, BlackRock, and other institutional players dominate investments in commercial aviation. Why? Because it's one of the most profitable and predictable alternative assets that exists. And it's not tied to other markets such as real estate and the stock market. Is it safe? Well, imagine triple net leases to the likes of American Airlines and British Airways. Income is contractual and guaranteed by some of the biggest named airlines in the world. That's why this kind of investment was never available to the ordinary accredited investor. That is until now. Visit accesswealthaviation.com and check it out for yourself. Invest in an institutional team with over 200 plus years of combined investment experience in the aviation sector. Conservative investing with double digit returns and tax advantages. That's accesswealthaviation.com. Accesswealthaviation.com. You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everyone. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast, and Happy New Year to you. I'm recording this on the 2nd of January here on a Monday. And so by the time you hear it, it'll be a week later. But uh, for me, I'm still in the New Year spirit. I uh, spent the weekend on a neighbor's ice rink. And, um, you know, I used to be a hockey player when I was growing up, growing up in Minnesota. And now I'm 43. I hadn't been out there in a couple of years and uh, managed to wreck my knee somehow. I didn't actually even realize that it was wrecked until uh, the evening. So I think it was one of those adrenaline things. You know, the weekend warrior, 40-something, goes out there and tries to uh, tries to relive the days of high school. But that's where I'm at. And uh, luckily, we'll be, uh, we are going to interview a an orthopedic surgeon today. So that's uh, I won't ask him about that, though. The other thing I want to point out, going to wealthformula.com again, it's a good time for you now, as good a time as ever, to get on the Investor Club um, group there, the Investor Club. Uh, that's for accredited investors, you know, doctors and lawyers out there making two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars per year, you know, net worth of a million dollars or more outside of your personal residence. Now, the reason to do that is deal flow, and this is this is what uh, you can expect in the next several weeks. And it's going to be pretty exciting. We've got lots of stuff coming up. There'll be some foreshadowing in uh, the next couple of weeks with the types of shows we have, and those will be followed followed up with webinars. But those kinds of things are open only to people who are accredited investors, who have signed up for my group, and who have already talked to me because we have to have a pre-established relationship for many of these deals. So until I get to know you, I can't tell you anything about these deals. So. Uh, make sure to go to wealth, wealthformula.com and sign up for the Investor Club if you are trying to figure out how to invest in some real assets this year and uh, don't want to get killed by the market corrections that are imminent. So that said, now let's go, uh, let's talk about today's show. I'm going to start out by saying this, you know, the elegant of Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which probably, I'm guessing, uh, at least 80% of the audience has read is it's simplicity, okay? It's not like this super complicated book. You invest for cash flow. An asset is something that puts money in your pocket, while a liability is something that takes money out of your pocket. Now, that makes a lot of sense, right? The thing about it is, though, that that simplicity was frowned upon uh, by Kiyosaki's critics when the book first came out. He he, uh, self-published it, by the way. And the financial critics 
really found nothing useful in his book and felt that it was actually a way oversimplification of the investing process. And, you know, there was one major problem with that critique, though, and the critique of Kiyosaki's book. And that is that people have been investing for cash flow for years before Robert Kiyosaki probably was even born. Listen, real asset investing and cash flow investing predates stocks, bonds, mutual funds by a long shot. In fact, you know, my own father, uh, who's probably about Kiyosaki's age, you know, he was investing for cash flow with single family homes and duplexes shortly after coming to this country as an immigrant in 1967, way before the book was published. And he certainly didn't invent the concept himself. Now, another guy who was doing it before Kiyosaki's book was Dr. Tom Burns. Dr. Tom Burns was finishing his orthopedic surgery training in the early 90s. And that was about the time when he realized that despite loving his profession, his profession was being attacked by HMOs and other external forces, and that reimbursement would likely suffer over the course of his career. And you know what? He was right. He was absolutely right. It didn't happen as quickly as he thought, although physicians have been making money, less money, consistently for the last decade now, year over year. Because of that, Dr. Burns decided that after training, he was going to begin investing in real estate. He was looking for ways to make sure that even as he practiced the thing that he loved to do, which was orthopedic surgery, that he was going to do financially well in addition to that. So Tom is a really interesting guy. And in fact, you know, going back to Kiyosaki, who is again, you know, one of my idols and Tom was one of the first people out there to even read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and is, believe it or not, even acknowledged in the second edition of the Kiyosaki book. And uh, you'll hear more about that on the podcast. So if I haven't been able to prove to you with my own track record that investing in real assets and entrepreneurship is a way to create financial stability and independence, well, hopefully Tom's story is going to reassure you that investing in real assets that cash flow is indeed the path to enduring wealth. So without further ado, let's listen to this week's episode of Wealth Formula Podcast with Dr. Tom Burns. What do the Rothschilds, the Romneys, and the billionaire hedge fund managers know that you don't about growing and protecting wealth? As you might imagine, the wealthy have a few tricks up their sleeves. One strategy allows you to grow wealth tax-free at a compounding rate with no volatility. It protects your money from creditors and lawsuits, and it lets you invest the same money in two different places at the same time. How about that for amplifying wealth? To learn more, go to WealthFormulaBanking.com. Again, that's WealthFormulaBanking.com. Welcome back, everybody. Today, I've got a great guest. Uh, he's a friend of mine. His name is Dr. Tom Burns. Now, he is a practicing orthopedic surgeon in Austin, Texas, and he is also a team physician for the United States Ski Team, and he happens to travel worldwide with that team, so not a bad gig at all. But in addition to being a surgeon, Tom has had 20 years of real estate experience involving acquisition, development, and management. And his experience includes anything from Class A office, multifamily, student housing, manufactured housing, 
lands and restaurant property. And he's also a co-founder and owner of a full-service hospital. So he's sort of done it all. Now, Dr. Burns uh, has owned and developed property locally and internationally and has participated in the development and acquisition of over $100 million of commercial real estate. So I'm excited to talk to Dr. Burns. Tom, welcome. Thanks, Buck. So, Tom, you know, I love your story, and I'm just so fascinated by you because of, uh, you know, some a lot of the parallels between us, too. And, and obviously, you know, you've been at this for a little bit longer than me. But tell us your story and, you know, starting from, you know, where you when you finished training in orthopedic surgery and, and how you ended up in the real estate uh, road and all that. Sure. I, um, you know, I went into orthopedics because I was a frustrated athlete who wasn't going to be able to pay himself doing that. So I went into orthopedics so I could hopefully continue to associate with the athletic world. Um, I finished my orthopedic training, did my fellowship training in Vail, Colorado, and then um, and after that went into private practice. So, you know, it was sometime, you know, I, I had no no business training, no real estate training, and somewhere near the end of my actual orthopedic training, I I just was watching the uh, the older doctors, the, the the attending doctors, and sort of getting a feel for medicine and and for one reason or another just got the feeling that it was a bit of a a bit of a declining industry. Didn't know that much about it, so I actually uh, undertook to do a little bit of research, decided if you can't beat them, join them. It was back during the HMO days, so I did a little research on that and after, you know, after four or five months I realized that that was uh, not a winning proposition. So that was so, the that was the early 90s, right? Yes, it was. It was late 80s and early 90s. So it just Great profession. Uh, nobody typically goes into it for the money, and I was really happy with what I was doing, but was hearing a lot of complaints from some of the older doctors, and I didn't quite understand that. So I felt at that time, before reading any books or anything, that you know maybe it might be nice to have some sort of income coming in from something that wasn't medicine. So I really started going to simple seminars. I went to one of those seminars that they give for the residents. It was kind of your typical financial seminar, invest now, time is your friend, and the market is your friend. At least it was a start, you know. <laughs> right, um, right. And what's what's interesting to me is that you um, you started thinking about this really in a time when medicine is actually pretty darn good, um, and you had the foresight to see the decline. And you know, to your point about starting to see you know reimbursements go down and everything, uh, despite what you know you might hear in the media, uh, even from the, you know the president. That physician, the the statistic is that almost now for two decades, uh, continuously, real income for physicians has declined every single year. And you probably saw that. So I'm guessing when you were in the 90s, you had a few good years first, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, Having grown up in a family that was not medical, you know, my father was a Secret Service agent, so we didn't know anything about medicine. And I came out and started doing the same thing I did in training, and they paid me for it. Uh, it was great. And those were, uh, little did I know that those were the those were sort of the honeymoon years. Uh, yeah. Because soon after, it just started with, you know, small declines, that uh, death of a thousand cuts, they call it. And, um, you know, I can tell you, probably a lot of physicians will echo this, that, you know, revenue-wise or income-wise, we probably make half of what we made 15 years ago. Yeah. And it's really remarkable to me because you never hear that part of the what's going on in medicine. All you hear about is rising costs and you hear about, well, you know, the doctors are making too much money and so on and so forth. So, yeah, it's frustrating. And I think a lot of people out there who are physicians uh, need to understand this because we're on a trajectory that 
started when Tom saw it before most people saw it. But this is not the end, right? This is only going to get worse. And I think you nailed it, Tom, when you said, you know, you liked what you're doing and you're still doing it, obviously. And from what, you know, from everything that we've talked about before, you clearly don't have to do it. But what we're talking about is how do you set yourself up in the future? Because the old fashioned days of making a ton of money in medicine or, you know, any other profession and then handing your money over to a, a wealth advisor doesn't really work that well anymore. So in the last 20 years, you have personified essentially the investing philosophies that we advocate here on Wealth Formula Podcast. So tell me in, you know, and again, past performance does not indicate future, (laughs) but uh, how did that work out for you, Tom? It worked out really well. Um, yeah. Don't don't let that uh, let you think that there weren't plenty of mistakes. Along of course, the way. Um, that's how you learn. You know, exactly. You know, um, never let a good mistake uh, go without a good lesson. My primary focus in the beginning was was vaguely to get some passive income. Uh, I wanted something coming in while I was doing orthopedics, and I looked for ways to do that, and that that led me fairly quickly to real estate, which led to a large library of books. I just wasn't a big fan, however, of just uh, of just book learning. So you know, I ended up going out and just buying something, uh, starting small, buying something. Some made money, some some didn't. But you know, my my focus was really if, if I could make ten dollars extra a month without having to work for it, and that that was going to come in for the rest of my life or for a long period of time. I felt that that was a that was a victory, and you know, that ten dollars a month one day might grow to a hundred or a thousand or ten thousand. And time is your friend. You yeah, know, it's one of the best investing tips in the world. It makes bad deals turn good and good deals turn very good. So do you so own any stocks, bonds, and mutual funds? I do not. I have <laughs> good. zero. Neither do I. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I you know, I just started small and then as I as I got further into it I did I did seek out some people that, that had been there before me and basically went to a I went to one friend who was very successful in the real estate world. I said, I like what you do, and I want to learn that. So I truly worked for him for three years for free doing uh, build-to-suit deals and land acquisition deals. No kidding. That's fantastic. However, that led, you know, that led uh, soon after that, he and I partnered on a very large uh, commercial project. So, you know, the learning never stops. So how much medicine do you actually practice now, and how do you split your time? I will go in in the mornings about four days a week. I really do love what I do still. Uh, I'm not so much loving the administrative part because we are an independent practice. We're not owned by anybody. We run our own practice. But I just I go in in the mornings. Part of that is filled with answering uh, some uh, texts and emails that have to do with some real estate business. And then in the afternoon, I, I switch hats and go to my other office, and we start doing our development deals. And at this point in your career, where does most of your income come from? Does it come from the real estate or or investments, or does it come from your practice still? By far from the real estate. I, I actually didn't uh, barely paid myself this year just to see how things would go. So it's, it's all coming from the real estate now. So that is the proof in the pudding, ladies and gentlemen. For, for, for the last 20 years, this man has been doing what we've been advocating here on the show. So... So now you have something to uh, a little bit more proof that this kind of thing works. Now, you've been doing this stuff well before, you know, the the dot-com crashes and the 2008 recession. How did those periods in time affect you? 
Oh, you bet. Yeah, I got killed in 2001. That was back in the day. You know, I was still doing the right thing. I had um, had money in stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. Uh, in fact, I had a good friend who who well, was a broker and got me in some of the stuff he was in. And there was a, a money manager who had done, as you, as you mentioned, uh, past performance. You know, there was a money manager who had had two really good years prior to that. So he got his own fund, and it was even named after him. And he said it's impossible for the market to go any lower than it is. And, of course, I bought in, and then came 2001. So lost 50% of that. And uh, most, of my, most of my stuff that I had in the market uh, did what everybody else's did. So I kind of got burned a bit by the guru. However, this was 2001, and I had been investing in real estate for, gosh, quite a, quite a long time by then. My real estate just percolated right along, continued to continued to put out cash flow, actually grew during that time. So uh, it wasn't as painful as it could have been. And then you learned uh, a pretty good lesson for 2008, I imagine. And you, did you have the same I, kind of exposure? I sure did. I didn't. Uh, I wasn't smart enough to get out of the market uh, right after 2001. Somewhere in there, I, I got out, and then. Uh, yeah, my, by, by the time 2008 came around, my money was out of the market, so I was at least able to watch that recession with uh, a little less anxiety. And again, the real estate that was present in 2001 had matured by seven years and was continuing to grow and continuing to cash flow, and there were more added to that at the time. So 2008 was not as painful. I won't say it wasn't painful because there were some deals that were in process and uh, you know, there were some investors that needed to be paid, and those people got paid from my pocket. So everybody was made whole during that time. Right, right. So you know a lot of docs, and you probably know a lot of people who are still doing the traditional thing. And, you know, they're still going to the financial advisors, even after getting hit multiple times. What do you make of that? I, I just want to shake them, but they're all, <laughs> they're, they're good folks. They're all good folks. It's just a matter of education and some of them just, you know, haven't haven't yet reached the point where they want to kind of take a little a little charge of their own financial health. Um, I have lots of stories. Um, it's not so much their dependence on their financial advisors, but but that that's kind of a symptom of the, of a lot of professionals' unwillingness to take their financial health and education into their own hands. One physician did tell me he was diversified. He said that. His financial advisor firm had one guy who was real conservative and one guy who was real aggressive. So he splits his money between the two of them so he can be diversified. Another time, this is probably close to 20 years ago, I presented a, I presented an opportunity to a physician. And it was one of those deals where it was going to maybe take two or three years before it started coming to fruition. And it has since then. And I said, you know, your, your chance will be you'll make X amount of dollars every month. And his answer was, well, I can just take call. I said, I agree. I agree. I said, what will you do the next month? He said, well, I'll take call. And so I kind of ran that trap, you know, third month, you'll keep taking call. I said, all right, you know, you'll be ahead in two or three years. But I said, what are you going to do 20 years from now? You're still going to take call. And he, he didn't quite get the, he didn't quite get the exercise. And that particular surgeon, not six months ago, I heard him complaining about how low reimbursements were and what what was he going to do? And, you know, wasn't sure his retirement fund was big enough. And he was complaining heavily about the system. So I did not, I did not say I told you so, but that same person kind of came back to me. Yeah. You know, the tough thing here is that what you said earlier, 
in the program is very true. You know, a lot of a lot of people outside of medicine think that we as doctors that a lot of us went into medicine because it makes a lot of money. But I don't know anybody out of my colleagues, my friends who went into medicine because they were going to, quote, make a lot of money. Right. We all they're, they're good people. They're people who are trying to do something meaningful with their lives. And, you know, sure, there's an assumption that you're going to do reasonably well. But the problem is that uh, and we've said this before on the show, uh, it's a good point that, you know, in the financial world, people don't take the Hippocratic Oath. Right. So no. so they get burned left and right. Exactly. And these are good people. They, yeah. Mo- all the ones I know, they're. They, they got into it for a number of reasons, and the last one is money. Um, you know, they're good folks. They love what they do. They just don't like the pressures that are getting applied to them. And unfortunately, when I, I listen to these, these folks, and most of the doctors I know, their strategy is to work more hours, market their practice better, join a larger group, cut back expenses, et cetera, et cetera. They are scared now. And, um, you know, I'm just hoping that guys like you who are willing to step out there and educate the rest of the professional world i hope that they'll just listen because it it just takes a little spark to start learning something and the resources are out there exactly and it's all about education and you know whether or not you want to go out there and be the operator yourself or you want to invest alongside with others the reality is that either way you're going to have to learn and think about how much time we put into you know our professional schools and our you know in the case of doctors our residencies etc and if you just put a fraction of that amount of time in learning a little bit about financial uh you know how to invest and and you know a little bit about cash flow investing and that sort of thing what a big difference that could make and it's not a huge time investment it's a huge investment uh, robert kiyosaki says everybody needs to be an investor no matter what you do that will help you guide and take charge of your life uh, if you choose so yeah i was just about to go with there there too because i noticed on your cv and actually found a copy of this but first of all you started investing for cash flow and in real estate before rich dad poor dad and before you know robert kiyosaki's you know work that really changed the lives of so many people but um now, curiously enough, you're mentioned in the acknowledgments of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And so that's a pretty interesting story. Will you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, you bet. You bet. So, well, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a reader. I've got a huge library. And so I read all the time. Mostly it's books about finance, investing, things such as that. You know, I do read some fun books as well. But those are fun for me. So to try to keep a long story short, I was by myself, family was out of town, and so I went and did my errands. And I went to a car wash, and the car wash is uh, is owned by, actually owned by a gentleman named Keith Cunningham, who's quite an entrepreneur himself, and uh, who happens to be one of the best friends of Robert Kiyosaki. I didn't know this at the time. So I'm I'm checking out, and I look to the left, and there's this purple and gold book that says Rich Dad, Poor Dad, What the Rich Teach Their Kids That the Poor Middle Class Do Not. I thought, what a goofy title. Add that to my bill. <laughs> so I went, you know, grabbed the book, went home, did all my stuff, and literally, again, by myself. So it's about 11 o'clock. Family's gone. I'm, I'm going to bed, and I go past my office and just, just kind of, flip open the first page, you know, just to see what this book's about, because I never even looked inside the cover. I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting, and I, I read a page, and I read a second page standing there, and I sat down for a second, read a couple more pages. So four and a half hours later, I got up, 3.30 in the morning, 
um, had completed the entire book with a CD of Hanson playing over and over again. I'll never live that down. Um, but read the entire book, and it was the best book I've ever written, read in my life. Um, I waited a few hours, called a friend of mine, and said, I just read the best book I've ever read in my life. He reads the book. We call the number. we got to know who this guy is, you know. So we call the number uh, on the book, and we figure we're going to get the publisher. Well, Robert answers. And, <laughs> you know, it turns out that this was a self-published book. He had published 1,000 copies. It was really designed to be a brochure to advertise and sell his cash flow game. That was his original business plan. And so Robert Kiyosaki answers. One thing leads to another. We go out to Scottsdale, uh, go out to Phoenix. We visit with Robert. He teaches us how to play cash flow. My wife wins the game, so she gives us his game. You know, so we got to be friends. We kind of helped him do some do some things. And um, for whatever reason, he um, he when he reprinted the book, he only had printed a thousand copies. When he printed the book, he uh, put my name in it. So. But the book resonated with me so much because, you know, I was already somewhat of a non-focused cash flow kind of guy by the time it came out. So it, it just fit right into what I think what I was thinking, or maybe I didn't know I was thinking yet. And, you know, to this day, I still think in boxes. Those those four boxes that he drew, uh, in my mind, are brilliant. It just lays out, uh, you know, a path to either financial freedom or, or a uh, easier life, so to speak. Um yeah, you know, it, what's interesting about it, Tom, is that there is such an amazing simplicity to the book, right? I mean, it's not written at a, you know, an extremely high level. It, it, there's just some magic to it. And it's even hard to explain because when you get down to those concepts that he talks about, it's just so simple, right? And you're like, no, this can't be that simple. But he, it is. It is. And here's I'm proof of that in eight years. You're proof of that. The long term effects of that in over 20 years. And people just don't still don't believe in it. You know, and they still go back to their financial advisors thinking that, you know, he or she knows better than them. But uh, there, you know, it's really remarkable to me how much that book and how much those thoughts have affected, you know, literally millions of people. Millions of people. Every If you're at a seminar reading a book, listening to somebody speak, invariably they say, at one point in my life, I read a book that changed my life. And you know what the next words are going to be. It was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Right. It's, you know, there's a reason it's the best-selling business book of all time, if that's a true statement. It, it's it's fantastic. So I get nothing for saying that. Yeah. yeah. Well, nor do I. And I'm, I'm singing the praises of Kiyosaki all the time. And uh, I feel like what I talk about is sort of springboarding more actionable content that's based on that platform. There's a number of professionals out there who are either in training, in school, et cetera, or maybe they're just starting out. Like I just talked to a, a vascular surgeon uh, the other day who's interested in, in, in getting involved in real asset investing. You know, what kind of uh, advice do you have for people just starting out? As you mentioned, that does bring a, a short story to mind. This just happened several days ago. Apparently, in 2003, I was examining a knee on a young gentleman who maybe had aspirations to go to medical school. And we talked, and he said he was going to go be a doctor. And I, I think, you know me, I can't keep my mouth shut. So I said something like, you know, well, don't go buy a big car and a big house. First, buy some assets that will pay for that car and that house. And, you know, probably I didn't think he would listen to me. 
several days ago, I get an email back from a guy who says, hey, this is so-and-so back uh, 13 years ago. You are examining my knee, and I'll never forget what you told me. He goes, I've been out for a year, and I want to get educated. Can you at least point me in the right direction? So that that made my week. So, And you um, told him to listen to Wealth Formula podcast. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. That's you know, funny. And, so, and, and, I, and I, the, the story hasn't changed. You know, I just tell people to just, just – Get educated. Um, you know, that sounds so simple, and it is. Just start learning. What happens when you start learning is you run into other people who know more than you, which is always somebody knows more than me. And, you know, the physicians themselves, and I'm, you know, we're all physicians. Those of us that are doctors are all physicians. There's other professionals out there that, you know, we're bright and we know a lot of stuff, but we can't know everything. You know, even in the old days, Robert used to get me up at his seminars to talk. Just to say, he used to say that the worst ones are the doctors. He said because the doctors know everything, and I know a lot of a lot of really good, humble doctors that if they just learn what's going on, uh, they can do they can do quite well. And he wanted to show that even doctors can do it. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, there's a lot of irony in that, but I think it's true. And I think that the biggest thing is that you know I think the problem is that doctors or other high professionals you know they have their nose down the books for all these years and you know we're learning our crafts you orthopedics and you know me doing head and neck and all this stuff and the next thing you know you're starting to make money and um, the problem is that you have you don't even anticipate that right you don't even think about it really you're just grinding it out and all of a sudden you have this money and the big problem is that people fall into sort of two different areas one is you know, they completely shun the idea of trying to manage the money themselves. So they immediately give it to somebody who's a financial advisor or somebody they think who is smarter than them in the other area. Or they go out there and just figure they know more than everybody else without, you know, without actually doing a lot of uh, self-education and then they blow their money. And you literally see, and when when you're in the financial world and you hear people talking about doctors all the time, they love doctors because they look at them, you know, the way a vulture looks at like raw meat. Absolutely. I've actually been in those seminars. (laughs) I was there, I was there in stealth mode, but I have been in those seminars. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, you know, the, it's yes, it's 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 a difficult problem, and yes, you know, as my son might call that, a first world problem. Too many, too much money, and not knowing what to do with it. But uh, Robert also says there's a problem of too much money and a problem of too little money. So, too much money does require some education, but you can get it online in the libraries. You can get it podcasts like yours, and then there, are, there are people that have been there before you that you can partner with or learn from. So it's it's not not necessarily an easy process, but it's a simple process. That's right. And, you know, I think that's uh, that's a good place to start wrapping it up. I would love for you to um, let our listeners know how they can potentially get in touch with you, find out what you're up to. Um, maybe if you have a website or some other ways we can get in touch with you. You bet. You bet. The email is Tom at RNB Capital Partners dot com. That's Romeo November Bravo Capital Partners dot com. The website is www.rnbcapitalpartners.com. I want to thank you again, Tom Burns, for being on our show today and showing us how asset investing can work uh, over the long term. You know, you've been doing it for a couple of decades and also for sharing with us some of the things that didn't go well. For example, being involved with the stock market during the dot-com era and losing a lot of money. I mean, that goes to show exactly what we've been talking about on this show for a while. 
and also basically, you know, showing us what success looks like over a course of 20 years of real estate and uh, hard asset investing. Now, you can find out what Tom is up to by going to his website, rnbcapitalpartners.com. Again, that's rnbcapitalpartners.com. And you can see what the types of things that he does. And if it's appealing to you, you can always contact him and see if you can invest alongside with him. But the key thing here, folks, is that it is, again, very early in the year. And it's important for everyone to start figuring out uh, as we start thinking about our New Year's resolutions and what we're going to do differently, you know, how we are going to approach our personal financial situation. If your money is still sitting in stocks, bonds and mutual funds, I certainly think it's probably a good idea for you to start thinking about what you're going to do with that money. Because I think, you know, you're seeing the Dow at record highs right now. And there seems to be a lot of irrational exuberance uh, with, the, with the election of Donald Trump. But the fundamentals are still very weak in this stock market. And as you know, from many of my shows before, I believe that this is really just a lot of speculation, and I think it is time to quit while you're ahead. In fact, it's probably a good idea when you're ahead to start looking into things that you can buy and to create more real wealth. And when real wealth comes by purchasing or having fractional ownership in real assets, preferably those that can throw off income relatively quickly. So what do you do from here? So we talked about obviously getting involved with people like Tom, you know, getting involved with WealthFormula.com. We have our own investor group, which is if you go to WealthFormula.com, you can join Investor Club there. You have to be an accredited investor, but you don't have to do that. You don't have to invest with me. You don't have to invest with Tom or anybody else. You can go out and do it on your own. But the key is, again, first thing is education. And you're doing that right now. You're listening to my podcast. You're listening to probably some others. Uh, you're reading uh, you know, you're, you're, you're following the news. You're trying to understand what's going on. And that's critically important. But you never gain complete confidence in anything until you actually start doing that and until you actually start going out there and doing what it is that you're reading about and learning about. In my own experience as a surgeon, I can tell you that uh, as a resident, you know, when you first started doing a procedure or learning about an operation, you put the books and you try to learn You learn the anatomy well, you learn the techniques, but the reality is you don't really gain competence until you actually go and do it. And then you you get mastery over doing it multiple times. And pretty much everything is the same. And real estate investing or investing in anything else in real assets, et cetera, is the same. And if you give it just a fraction of the time that you gave to the vocation that you currently are involved with, you'd be uh, leap years ahead of the vast majority of the population. And that's where you want to be. So next steps, keep learning, keep learning, but actually go out there and come up with a plan for 2017 that is going to involve uh, investing in real assets. Again, you can do that passively, and we've shown you a number of ways to do that, and you can do that actively. And even if that means going out and getting involved in these, uh, you know, turnkey houses, et cetera, I mean, that's relatively active, although it's not, uh, you're not going to get your hands dirty there either. But either way, hopefully I've got the message through. And that's it for this week on Wealth Formula Podcast. I will see you next week. This is Buck Joffrey signing out. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. 
Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time. Self-storage is a necessary evil. It's where you keep your stuff and forget about it. No wonder this stuff is so profitable and recession-resistant. The Wealth Formula community, well, we've benefited from that. We've made lots of money in this space with Reliant Real Estate, one of the largest self-storage companies in the country. With an average investor internal rate of return of almost 34%, with hold times just over three and a half years, these guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com. Buck Joffrey here from Sapio with Buck Joffrey. Aging might become reversible over the next 10 to 20 years. It's already being done in lab animals, so it's just a matter of time. Our challenge? To be healthy enough for when that time comes. As a former scientist and surgeon myself, my goal is to figure out how to do that and to share it with you. I wrote a book called Living Longer for Busy People that you can download for free at sapiopodcast.com. You'll be amazed at just how a few daily adjustments can add years of a healthy life for you. Again, download it for free, sapiopodcast.com.